0: welcome to the grandmother podcast. Just a brief reminder while it's up in front of you to please leave a five star rating if you enjoy the show. And if you're feeling generous to subscribe and to leave a review as well. We love your feedback and it goes a long way towards helping the algorithms and getting us out to more people. And for more, you can follow along at grandmother podcast on Instagram. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hi, Grandma. I'm so excited to record this for the Grandmother Podcast. Uh, My name is Maddie Price. I am in Durham, North Carolina, where I live and train as a professional track athlete and a Canadian Olympian. And I'm so excited to be interviewing my grandma, Pira Miller, (laughs) who lives in North York in Ontario, right outside of Toronto, Canada, and she's incredible, just an inspiration to me. I got to see her a couple of weeks ago, after kind of some canceled flights. So it was a, a very great silver lining after some canceled flights. Was spending the day with my grandma in the garden, cooking, hanging out. So I can't wait to interview you more, Grandma. How are you doing?
2: Well, I'm doing just fine at the moment. <laughs> this is uh, this is incredible. I, I can't believe here I am sitting looking at Maddie. There she is, smiling, beautiful smile. Heaven knows how many hundred miles away. I don't know. I can't, I can't measure that far. Anyway, I am Pera Miller. and Pera, P-E-R-A, for those who don't know it, yes, it is an unusual name. But I started out in life as a very unusual name, all told. Not only was I christened Pera, but my surname was Double Barreled. It was Talbot Butt. That was T-A-L-B-O-T hyphen B-U-T-T. Which I I, th- I think is a lovely name now, but as a, as a small child, believe me, I did not think it was a lovely name. Actually, I hated it because it's typical of children. Stand up in class. What's your name? <laughs> All the giggling from the others. You know, I wasn't a Mary Smith or a John Brownerson. However, <laughs> thank God one does mature and get over that sort of thing. So, and it, funnily enough, I always wanted to be called Jane. I don't know why, but I I've got. Number of people I know in my life called Jane, so because your middle don't name ever... is Jane, right, Grandma? No, I don't have a middle name.
0: Oh, okay.
2: I thought oh, it was my no, middle, name just... Jane, middle name
0: is Jane, and Mum's middle name is
2: Jane. I know, but mine wasn't. I oh. just wanted to be a Jane, but never was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yes, um, I was born in Scotland on the the west coast of Scotland, a very t- small place. Called Towered Point, which is literally, a, I think there's a lighthouse there. And my father was the factor uh, for uh, Sir Andrew Coates. And if anyone is a sewer or if they're still in existence, Coates were the big cotton people. You always bought your reel of thread, it was Coates thread, and it was always pure cotton. But I mean, that's a long, long time ago. And a factor is basically uh, the man or it is women in nowadays as well also, who look after the estate of usually some landed gentry. It's a great job. He loved it, absolutely loved it. And you do, you do your own thing as long as you look after the estate and everything runs well and all the people who own cottages and work on the estates are happy. So that's where I was born, and I was born in, in a little house called Romsdale. Unfortunately, I don't remember my days in Romsdale because I was too young. At the age of that was in 1930, long, long time ago. <laughs> but um, if you're up in your history, you know what was going on in the world around that that time. However, my father's job ceased to exist. I never have known the reason reason why. Maybe he got fired, or I don't know. Maybe it's like present day. They just say, "Well, we don't have the, the space for you." and Things are costing more money for us as well. We can't afford you. Anyway, so that was a a bit of a problem uh, in my family's life because I have a sister who's 10 years older than I was. At this this age, I think I was, I think it was about three, three, somewhere age three to four. My sister was in her early teens and my brother was seven years older than me. Mm. So what happened at that point was that my father and my brother went to live with his mother and his sister at a place called Edenthorpe, which is near Doncaster in, in Yorkshire. And my mother took the two girls and we went to live with her mother, my grandmother, in a place called West Hartlepool, which is on the east coast of
0: Yorkshire.
2: Mm. Um, I, I vaguely remember sometimes there. I, I think my, my sister spent most of her time with, my cousin who also lived in the same place. Your dad
0: and brother going that way and the girls going the other way, was that after his job or was
2: that because of everything else that was happening? Like, why did that happen? No, no, after his job, I mean, the job, job suddenly had no job, mm. uh, nowhere to live. Because when you are a factor or they're called land agents in England, you have your house provided for you. So we well, had no home. That's mm. what it amounted to. Gosh. Okay. And uh, so that's why he went there. I think my brother watched trains or something all the time. He was there. He loved doing that, standing on a bridge and watching trains. So then uh, I remember some days with my mother and and sister and grandmother. And then the news came one day that we were going to be living together as a family, and it should be further south in Yorkshire and on the east coast. Mm -hmm. It's a a village called Hackness, and it's uh, seven miles west of Scarborough. And a lot of people have heard of Scarborough. It's a great resort area for people who live in the Midlands in England. Mm. So we we moved down there. I don't remember. We obviously got there by car. How else would we get there? And I remember the day we moved in very clearly because I was so excited. I was totally out of control, I'm quite sure. I think I was four at that point. Uh, I, I know I was running around getting... You know, there were more rooms than to go. There were stairs to go up and down. I remember running around so hard and fast that I fell. (laughs) Uh, Great money, I suppose, something like that. That I do remember about the move in, and so life came back to sort of fairly normal. Uh, I really don't remember too much about the next few years, which isn't surprising. Yeah, Uh, Um. and then in uh, when I guess. Normally, children go to school when they're about four. And the time came around and no school, no schooling for a little Pira, which didn't, I didn't worry about it. I didn't know what a school was all about anyway. And uh, they do have <laughs> certain officers who visit parents and say, Why isn't a child at school? Mm. And so this did happen at my house. I vaguely remember that. Mm. And the excuse that it was always given to me by my parents, that we didn't want her to go to the village school. And that's a very, in this day and age, it's it's just not understandable. Hmm. Um, Why do you think it was? It was rather snobbish. Hmm. I didn't, I don't want my daughter to go and um, be with the village children. Because they were children of farm laborers or people like that. And that, that is so British. Yeah, so oh, British gosh.
0: That.
2: Yeah, uh, that time and era. It, Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I I did not have playmates. We always had dogs. I don't remember what we had at that point. And I remember uh, we had a big playroom, a big house, a big playroom. And I had a, a blackboard, there, a chalkboard there, which I loved. I loved to <laughs> scribble on and draw on and draw on, ha ha, you know, stick stick figures and things like that. But I always loved adding things up. I, was, I loved mathematics, basically. Mm. My father was very, very good at mathematics, too. And so and I was given some books. And one of the books was a, a Reading Without Tears. It taught you how to read, which my mother had had <laughs> when she went to school. Jeez. She wow. went to one of these little village schools. And she told me, if you, if you didn't behave yourself, you literally got stuck in the corner with a dunce's cap on. Oh my gosh!
0: Did you end up going to school later on after that? Like you enjoying mathematics and having those books and being able to grow up like that? Like later on, as you got older, where you put in school later?
2: When I was seven and a half, I went to school for the first time. Okay, and I'm trying to recall. It was at the beginning of the war, just as, as the war began, and the yes. school that they sent me to was a little private school, and it was about. About four and a half miles away. It was between this village of Hackness and Scarborough, which is on the coast. Okay. And so my mother would drive me there every morning. It was only half day, I think, too. But From that point on, I was with other children. And uh, I seemed to pick up things very, very quickly, which was very fortunate. Yeah. So I stayed there. Um, and then war came upon us and the petrol Gasoline was, was, was rationed. There was no mm. petrol to drive. Me back and forth to school. My father had it for the estate, for the estate work. And so uh, somebody on the estate uh, had a very big house, and they lived in London, and they were bringing their children, a girl and a boy and um, the daughter of a friend of theirs, uh, to this big house to be away from the bombing. It was at the point where London children were being evacuated. Jeez. And they approached my father and said, would you like Pira to join us? Mm. And they thought, great opportunity. So by this point in time, too, I had acquired, I say a horse. It was a pony, actually. <laughs> I loved my pony, Romula, and Amos. was. Romula. And she'd had a foal, so the foal came too. And <laughs> she was not very big. And I, I lived either with that horse of that pony or on that pony's back. And I had freedom of the whole of the countryside around me. So I'd go and sit on the horse's back and just go wherever oh. I wanted to go. That's so cool. Up lanes, across fields, through woods, anywhere.
0: So were you and, uh, during that time, grandma, were you during war when it was starting to get bad? Yeah. Obviously, as we kind of fast forward a little bit, because I know we're still kind of in your younger days, but as we sort of like move through time there, how did you feel during that time during the war? And then like later on, as you got older, when did you meet grandpa? And like, how did that kind of progress like from there? Cause I know all fought in the war, correct? Or in a different
2: war, but. that always was on there. Yeah. To, to try and jump forward. I ended up going to this, this family on my pony every day. I, I rode about four miles to school. They looked after the horse for me. They had ponies of their own. And then I would come back. So after that, they had to close the school, and at the age of 10, I went to Scarborough High School, where my sister had been. Mm. To get to Scarborough High School, I had to cycle seven miles in the morning and seven miles home at night, and that's not fun in the winter, and it's dark at three o'clock. I can anyway. That went on for a while, and I don't know why. Um, we, we had the, the bombing. Scarborough was bombed. The village was actually bombed, too, uh, but we would go down in the cellar Sometime around the age of about 11, they had decided for some reason to send me to boarding school. Just
0: to follow up yes. on, the, on the question of, yeah, of hiding in the cellar while your village was being bombed, yeah. that is just, like, unimaginable for yeah. me. Like, obviously, yeah. at a very different time, yeah. Like, how was yeah. that for you? Like, I can't even imagine that
2: experience. Well, it didn't because it, it, it really... Didn't bother us. I, I I was young enough not to be worried about it. Okay. And I, and I didn't I didn't sense great worry from my family either. Okay. Well, that's amazing. Uh, we felt perhaps a little smug, feeling very safe in this in this little village. Mm. And it was accidental bombing. It wasn't. Mm. Uh, it wasn't meant to be because there's nothing there. Okay. Then they uh, decided I would go to this uh, boarding school. And uh, to go back to war, the day war broke out, I was very excited. Heaven knows why. I thought this is very exciting. (laughs) Um, So then I went to this boarding school, which I was also very, very excited about. It was the first time, actually, I'd ever been away from home Mm. on my own. I did know one girl was there. Her father and my father were business people together. And uh, so I had somebody to... So look after me, you might say, you know, take me around. Unfortunately, I remember, I think about the first week I was there, goodness knows why, I had some stomach upset or something. So I was sent to this what they call the SAN, the sanitarium, because, oh, my gosh, he's one kid that's sick. Everybody else is going to get sick. Get her out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so how but long were was you at
0: a, boarding school for? Like, what was, was that? This boarding
2: of- school had been evacuated. It was a place called Swinton Castle. Okay, so how so long? I went there? living, yes, in, in the village to a castle to live in, which was fun. <laughs> I was a three. We stayed there three years. Okay, it was, and then the school had been moved there during the war, and after the war, they were able to move back to their own buildings. Okay, in Harrogate, hmm. and so I went from <laughs> you know home to a castle back to school buildings, <laughs> and I, I enjoyed my life. I, I did. I did reasonably well. I, you know, I wasn't a star pupil, but I did well in athletics.
0: In which, in athletics, as in like running or a tennis, or because I know you are really good at tennis, but I didn't realize that you did
2: athletics. I, I didn't play tennis to begin with because the the uh, tennis courts hadn't been re- repaired. Mm-hmm. But I played lacrosse, and I was in the I think it was a second lacrosse team. Mm-hmm. And I did, um, I was a, a sub or something like that on the first lacrosse team. I also played cricket. I played in the cricket team. Uh, we played netball and we played rounders. I was the captain, school captain for rounders. What is rounders so again? G- girls girls baseball. Girls <laughs> baseball. Okay, so kind of like softball? Yeah typical things and netball as well which i suppose is like oh what do you play in the gym uh, basketball basketball yeah you yeah. it has different rules yeah it the same, the same spot stuff with the ball yeah you can't yeah with the ball
0: yeah. it's also so cool i, I love lacrosse good. grandma growing up that's so cool that you played yes. lacrosse. yes yes because nikki my younger sister obviously is you nikki played lacrosse division one at william mary yeah. which was so cool that you know yeah. Started all the way back then when you started playing, and Nikki picking it up later, yes, and being yeah. really good and loving it, and it's just so cool. All the gener like down
2: generations, it's really cool. Right, and lacrosse is much bigger in England in girls' schools than it is mm. in in North America. Definitely. So I was I was there then uh, unfortunately the year, I think it was a year I went back to Harrogate. And the school was there. My father died.
0: No, oh, I'm
2: so sorry. Um, yeah, that was I was I was 15 when he died. So that was. A big shock to a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, how did you handle that grief at the time? Well, for, I think fortunately I was at boarding school
0: mm.
2: because I, I had to focus on that. Yeah, I certainly don't remember any counselling. Certainly, no counselling. Mm. I was there from school. I guess I was a bit of a lost soul in many ways, but I then I you know I really focused on. Some, Playing my cricket or playing lacrosse, and I loved um, gymnastics too. Mm. Uh, except I could never balance. I was, I was <laughs> terrible balancing on the bar. I loved anything else. I could throw myself over horses. Great fun. <laughs> because I was good at mathematics, my father, very old-fashioned, of course, compared to today's uh, today's uh, growing up and families and But he decided that the best thing for me was to to be a chartered accountant. Mm. Okay. I thought, oh, well, that sounds very grand. I had no idea at that time. That's one of the most difficult darn things to to get into, and the exams are just almost impossible. I believe anyway. <laughs> so that that was the idea. And meanwhile, um, my brother had been our, our careers really were. I suppose I have to say chosen for us. Mm, yeah. My sister was in the police force during the war. Oh wow! Um, she, was, she was on the motor patrol. Mm. And uh, all around Yorkshire. So, uh, and she loved that. She had a lot of fun. My brother was—he was literally put into the army by my father. He was seventeen at the time. Oh wow! And he—he needed—he needed shaping shaping up. I guess he was being a little sort of bratty, I suppose. But he put in <laughs> into a, a terribly, terribly tough regiment, the Durham Light Infantry, which is all miners. Wow. And uh, my brother was uh we we're all very musical and he was a, a tremendous violinist. So when he went to join up, he took his violin with him. Oh wow. And the lads lads all in the, the good uh Quebec, not Quebec, I'm sorry, Durham. Like Durham, that's funny. Yeah. Uh accent, you know, would think, Oh, here's he's a real sort of Ponce coming to be in the in the in the orchestra for us. And Peter said, and in effect he said, No bloody way, I'm here to be a soldier. Yeah. And so he was. He was uh, he was commissioned into the Gurkha rifles and sent to India and Burma. So wow. that's where they were. Wasn't that where?
0: Sorry, Grandma, just to pause, just to pause real quick. Wasn't that where he learned to cook really, really good Indian food in Burma? Like yes. I he remember loved you could,
2: living in India. Yeah, I remember yeah.
0: you told me, like, because you were really good at you're an amazing cook. You're an incredible cook. And I've had some amazing mm-hmm. curries and things from you, just from like all of the different recipes and things that you make. But was was yeah. that where he learned to cook and kind of brought that?
2: Just knowledge and stuff back Yeah, you. Yes. And he he would take me occasionally. A few years later on, when I was living in London, he would take me to Indian restaurants, Mm -hmm. which was lovely. But anyway, I was sent to this uh, secretarial college in London. My last year at at school, so the last high school year, I had taken typing. I mean, who doesn't take Mm -hmm. typing? Typing, shorthand things. I loved shorthand. Absolutely loved it. My father showed me how to shorthand to have to write with it sorry well, shorthand is is what again well it, it is um, squiggles and <laughs> squiggles and curves and the odd line so it's cursive or it's not cursive writing I mean, there is, it's not cursive writing it, it's okay seriously do I describe it um you know the word and is a little so sort of jiggly in the sky hmm. um, okay. i'll have to look and, this up. words are shortened and, and when you they, i was told that the People at, at the uh, in the newspapers and things. They would do great, great sort of things like this: so da, 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 across the page, and that meant um, good morning, Mister Brown. How are you doing today? The troops did well last night, I mean. What did you have for lunch? You know, it means a half the a pages. I mean, I thought, oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. Amazing. Oh, cool. But anyway, I did I did learn this all, and it led me to tremendous jobs. It was, it was worth the trading. I lived in a in a girls' hostel. And uh, had a lot of fun there. I met a a girl there who I'm still friendly with. She's my dearest friend in my wow. whole life. <laughs> She's exactly. six months older than I am. <laughs> but uh, I, my first first job was with the J. Arthur Rank Film Company. I mean, I wanted to work in somewhere in theatre or in movies. Mm. And I got it's a, it's a big film company. I don't know whether they still exist in England, but they were. And I loved that work. I would get bored after a while and I kept changing jobs. Theatrical agents, things like that uh, I'd work for and and go and sit in on shows and take notes in my shorthand and then have to transcribe them later for them so that they could look at them and see what they needed to do. So that was, and then I, after all those sort of jobs, I ended up with a travel agency. I think mm-hmm. I got that through someone I'd worked with, actually, yeah. when she got this job. And I worked for the uh, very young man, actually, who ran it. And uh, I loved that job, too. I lived in, uh, in rooming houses to begin with. And then I shared flats in London with girlfriends that I met along the way. I was probably 17 at this time. Okay, I okay. was I was on my own then. I knew I had to go and work to make a living to live. Yeah, by food, etc., etc. Exactly.
0: And then, at what time that you were working, and then at what time after that did you meet Grandpa, and how did you guys meet? Again? Well, it was it was
2: through that it was through that work at the at the uh, travel agency. They yeah. had a, a shipping department, and they were interviewing people. They had an ad in the paper for somebody in the shipping department and to learn the business. Yeah. And they had an ad in the paper, and people came in. To meet the general manager, hear about the job, and the general manager then to decide whether he, that person was suitable for the job or not. Yeah. And one young man that came in was called Derek Miller. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was it. What do you mean that was it? Did you one know glance, you One glance, that's, that's for me, that's a keeper. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Wow. Uh, a Very, very handsome, blonde young man with slightly, slightly wavy hair. Something a little unusual about him. He'd been in the uh, Fleet Air Arm during the war. Mm. And the, the Fleet Air Arm, as you may or may not know, it's part of the Royal Navy. And they're the guys that uh, part of their work is flying ships, out, flying planes off ocean-going vessels. The problems with Iraq, the, the vessels would go into the American vessels. I know they went into the waters off Iraq, and then the fleet-armed people would fly off there, fly the planes off there. Yeah, yeah. And, you mean in the evening. The you know, presently. I, they do far more things than I have knew. Very sort of young days when, mm-hmm. when, uh, when Derek was in there. But uh, he had been demobbed, and he worked with South American Airways. Okay. British South American Airways for a while before he got the job. That, right. that I'm talking about right now. And so he was then assigned to the, the freight department and I knew he was working there. I, I never saw him. <laughs> I don't know I talked to him on the phone. I mean, there was no question of dating or anything at that point. But then there was a, an opportunity for him to move into the passenger office, hmm. which he did. Mm-hmm. And so he and, and another guy looked after the passengers, flying them around the world. We had huge... Um, um, worldwide uh, organizations hmm. and their CEOs are always flying around the world, visiting the East, the West, you know, the South. So and he that was flying around with the them? Journey.
0: So he was flying around? No, no
2: no, like, oh. no, 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 They would phone up and say that that their, their uh, CEO had to uh, be away for 10 days. He had to visit 10 different parts of the world. Okay. Uh, will you book him on the flight, will he, he wants to leave on January the 1st. Okay. Oh, so and he so would, would pull all this up and yeah. Okay. Put it together. Yeah. Got it. And so I got to know him in the office naturally. Mm-hmm. And the amusing thing was that it was a, a building. Um, I think they called it on the Queensway, Kingsway Kingsway in London. Yeah. And there was no washroom in our section of the building. So to go to the washroom, you had to walk through the passenger office outside and in next door. So you can imagine, I went to the washroom amazingly, amazing number of times per day. <laughs> <laughs> so you could walk by him and say hi. And- that I could walk by him and say hello, on nice day or something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow or other, the friendship did, uh, did blossom at that point. And then it got to the point where we would go out and have lunch together. Hmm. We always went to a local pub. We usually had a glass of beer and a veal Pork and egg pie, I think it was. It was a cold, very, very typical thing you'd get in a pub at that time. Yeah. Uh, all for probably about one and months or something like that, because that was all we could afford anyway. And so that's how the, the uh, friendship grew. And on one occasion, he said, I have a friend I'm meeting for a, a beer after to work today. Would you like to join us? That was my first date and meeting a very great friend of his who he'd known for many years. And uh, it was great. It's sort of things continued from then on. And the lunches certainly became a habit every day. We both lived in different places. He lived in Earl's Court and I lived in Bayswater, I think it was at that point. Mm. Occasionally, we he would ask me to a movie and some funny little restaurant uh, we'd go to after the movie.
0: What was your favorite movie back then? Like, do you remember any? Laura, What was it? Laura. 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 I don't
2: know if I know that one. Laura. It's a wonderful piece of music. Mm. And I can't even remember who's in it. Dang. So what kind of, when you say favorite piece of music,
0: just, this is like just a little side and then you can get back to it. But what's your favorite type of music to listen to? I know you and grandpa always, I remember always listening to classical music in the house. Yeah.
2: I I really like classical music. Yeah. Some people say, oh, you know, there's no there's no tunes to to dance around to. Listen to some light classical music. Mm. There's a lot of tunes in it. A lot of tunes in it. heavy classical stuff. No, I do not like. Uh, yeah. Not the Derek uh, lighter the light stuff. The, the romantic stuff, you know. And it's
0: mm-hmm.
2: Even mm-hmm. even things you can sing along. You know, hum yeah. along or something. Yeah,
0: and then when I saw yeah. you last, the people, the it was the trio, right? Il
2: Volo, the three Italian men. Oh. that that kind of yeah. like of operatic pop sort of. Oh, they are, I die for them right now. They, they started off as teenagers. They, they, they were in a, one of these contests, I think, for the best voice or something like that. Yeah. And one of them, the youngest one, who was only 17, I believe, at the time, he won it as him and uh, another one who would really like to be an operatic singer. Hmm. The three of them got together, and they were fortunate in that somebody uh, discovered them, yeah. put them together. And I absolutely adore, them. <laughs> That's adore awesome. them.
0: Love it. Wait. Okay. So, getting back. So, then, when did you and Grandpa get married? And then, at that point, when did you move from England then to Canada? And then that kind of brings us more to where we are. And then I can kind of ask a few follow-ups. But yeah. When did you get married?
2: Along the line, uh, I guess I met him when I was seventeen. I think I was. It could have been eighteen. I'm not quite sure actually. But we got married in 19. 19- Fifty. Gosh, that sounds so long ago. 1950. <laughs> what? I, and it was it was it was that we were married in, on November the fourth, 1950, and it was a September of that year that we we got engaged, and then we figured, well, let's get married. Why why be engaged? And, <laughs> and you heard people are be engaged for two or three years. I forget it. You know, we're going <laughs> to get married. And We did, and then, I was under twenty-one, of course. And uh, I wrote to my mother and told her, I'm getting married. Yeah. And her reply was, you're not getting married without my permission. You have to be 21. Oh, wow. She was just 21 when she got married in heaven knows when, beginning of the 1900s. (laughs) So she'd taken a bold step, I think. And my brother was living somewhere in, in England. And she said, for goodness sake, Go down and see what this boy is like. <laughs> in other words, look him over. See him. Approve of him. So he did. And we were married on, on November the 4th, at 11 o'clock in the morning at um, Christ Church, Lancaster Gate.
0: What did your dress look
2: like? My dress.
0: Yeah, like how <laughs> Do you remember what grandpa looked like when
2: you walked down the aisle? Like, what was his face like? Yes, I do. He had a brand new suit. I was not married in white. Mm. I had been bridesmaid at a at a, a friend's wedding shortly before. My mother thought, my mother was living up in Northern England at this time. Yeah, She thought I would wear that pale blue dress that I'd worn as a bridesmaid. Mm. And I thought, no way. I yeah. So I st- started... Searching around. And I still, have you not seen the dress? I still have that dress in the basement here.
0: No, I don't think I have. Or maybe a long, long time ago when I was a kid, but I don't remember. I should, you yeah. should next time I'm
2: there. I'm trying to, th- how to describe it. It was sort of a, <laughs> don't lie. You can laugh when I tell you this. Sort of a dark purplish color. That was cool. With, with, with black in it. And I wore, I wore black shoes mm-hmm. and a black hat. <laughs> <laughs> It's it had a little black handbag. It's, I mean it's hilarious. Oh, it looks very cool though. That sounds like a very cool bride well,
0: I, to I, you, I Grandma.
2: My uh, great friend and I still have, she had a second marriage and, and one day we were talking about our clothes and she said, I was married in all black. And so we had a big laugh over that. <laughs> you know, young kids, you know, married in black. I d I don't know why. I don't know why. Derek had a gorgeous brand new suit. And it was quite a large check, quite a loud check. Mm. Lovely. And he wore what was known in those days as brothel creepers. In other words, suede shoes. Brothel uh, creepers. Brothel <laughs> creepers. They're almost always- <laughs> nicknamed brothel creepers. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I don't remember his. Tie. Oh, he he. Yes, he wore the. Uh, oh my goodness! He wore the Fleet Air Arm tie. I think, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I expect he would, yeah.
0: With yeah. his face in shock at how beautiful you looked coming down the aisle? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I it's probably know.
2: just shock, period. Shock, period. Here oh we go. Are
0: we really doing this? But then you guys <laughs> had an amazing, what was it, 60 years of marriage or more? How long was that? 62, 62 years. Grandma, that's incredible. Years. That's incredible. So I guess since we're on this topic, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to me, like you've met TJ, my partner, and hopefully yeah. one day we'll be married. You know, we're not quite ready there yet, but that's, you know, that's the plan in the future. But what is one piece of advice you'd give to me when it comes to love or dating or, or marriage? Oh,
2: I get shivering when I think about it. It's mm-hmm. awesome. You know, it's very silly to say, be absolutely sure. Mm-hmm. Because as far as I'm concerned, when you've met the right person, you know mm-hmm. something inside you. I could actually tell you the minute, not the minute you know, time-wise, but uh, where I was and, and more or less the minute, when something just, something aside me said, he's, an, he's a man for you to marry. Oh, You're, You do love him. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, never, I'll never forget that moment. Uh, That's beautiful. Some people, when they're thinking about their future and who they want to marry, they say, he must have a good sense of humor. He must... Do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: She must have that. I don't. I mean, if you, if if you want those things, important to you, and they happen to be there, great. That, that, that's great. But You just you don't have to think about being. Are you sure? Will we make it all the time? What mm-hmm. happens? We have an argument. It's a good thing to talk about. Do we want to have children? Yeah. yeah. We always said we wanted. We always said we wanted four. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, I I'm quite glad I don't have four. <laughs>
0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
2: But uh, I'm very, very glad that, that you have met GJ. Thank you. I, I think I think he's a wonderful guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I, I love and I love I love the times I have seen you together. I I love seeing you together. You seem very right for each other. Thank you. Be understanding of each other, because there are times when you think, "Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> but you get over it?" You, you have to think, "Why? Why are you so happy? Why are you so compatible?" And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what your life is all about. Yeah, and there, there'll be there'll be things, that dis, disappointments in life. I mean, of course. I mean, uh, I mean, when we came to Canada, we, we lived in in England uh, for a couple of years in a flat. Mm-hmm. We, neither of us earned very much. In fact, I think the time we left England, we were both earning £12 a week. Wow. It was considered not a, not a bad salary. So that's £24. <laughs> <laughs> we might not buy you a cup of coffee in England anymore. Yeah, I we know. Paid £4, £4 a week went on our rent. Hmm. Uh, went on. I don't know how we managed our finances. I don't remember whether we pooled them or not. I don't think we did yeah. Yeah. So, wait. What made you move to Canada after living in England for that time? Like, and, yeah. well, we were still rationed in England. We still had okay. food rationing, which was very frustrating. Of course, I mean, you got practically nothing. Mm-hmm. We never went short of food, but it was very frustrating. I'm sure. That's been and like, we we lived in Wimbledon, and uh, so we take take the Southern Electric to work every day,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it started getting to me after being. Marriage for a short while. Here I was, uh, traveling back and forth every day, worrying about what's for dinner. <laughs> you couldn't go out and buy a steak, or you know, we certainly couldn't afford to go to go out uh, for dinner. And everything was, was rationed. And uh, so we started seriously thinking about it because Derek had been in Canada during the war. He was trained mm-hmm. in Canada mm-hmm. and loved it. Of course, living living here uh, was the freedom. It was just wonderful. He thought it was a wonderful country. He loved the people. He had uh, made some contacts here, so he said, "Let's go to Canada." Hmm. I think he had a job offered at that point. Oh, where the hell was it? Was it in Iran or somewhere like that? Yeah. And I said, oh, "I'll come. I'll come." <laughs> <laughs> I'd never been. I'd never been. We, we had been. I had been out of England once on a holiday yeah. to South of France, but um, so we started looking into it, talking about it thinking about it, checking with Canada House mm-hmm. and um, eventually Derek got in touch with one of the shipping companies mm-hmm. i would like to get a passage to to Canada on a deck. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounded very grand to me, which it wasn't actually. <laughs> and he came up with the option of uh, August 1952, I think it was. Mm. A cabin was available on a deck. Leaving Liverpool in, in August. Yeah, how long was that journey? How long is that journey? Oh, yeah, I think it was five. I think it was five days. Five days. Five days. So wow. we then looked into the immigration factor, and of course, I know we had forms to sign and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we, the only thing we had to have a and a chest X-ray, <laughs> make really? sure we had, did not have tuberculosis. Oh, I don't remember whether we. I don't honestly remember whether we had to have. Uh, doctor's certificate or anything? I really do not remember.
0: That. Wow! I didn't realize they made everybody have chest X-rays as you immigrated. Yeah, yeah.
2: that's so interesting. At that, at that, at that, at that time, at that time, certainly, tuberculosis right.
0: I, I was it. going around pretty like a lot back then.
2: Well, it was still, still quite pre- prevalent. I think it was still quite prevalent here actually. Yeah, because they're being placed up in Muskoka where people would go to recuperate. Yeah, um, geez, that's crazy. And we had five days. We had Five days of partying on the boat. <laughs> it was partying? <laughs> partying. We, we got in we got in with the right people. It uh, was, was a, mass, a massive, massive... Uh, uh, so all these people were coming back from... Young people were coming back from trips around Europe. And there was a, a whole bunch of American gals, whether it was a high school class or something like that, but they'd been all around Europe. And uh, we certainly went first class.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's uh, so fun. Huh?
2: Class or something like that. But there was always, I mean, there was always music and dancing, and they'd they'd have shows and wow, things like that, and and it was it was just a heck of a lot of fun. The last night before we did, and, then, and entered the Saint Lawrence at that point, and before we we docked in Quebec, before we arrived in Quebec, there was a big party the last night. I don't think we ever did get to sleep, mm. and they brought the. Uh, Oh, what are they called? i was saying the tugboat. What are they called? The lighter is it called? Where they the boat is steered into the, the line is steered by by a small small boat into harbour. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What's the problem? Yeah, and and we docked in, in Quebec City in uh, overnight early hours of the morning. Yeah, and then because we had brought trunks with us because we had brought out. Our worldly possessions. Yeah. Uh, I think we had two large trunks plus other stuff. And uh, we was then. we obviously had, we had booking on to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And we'd met one young couple who were going to London, Ontario, I think, and and some single guys. Mm-hmm. One of the well, Peter Molson was on board. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we were uh, shepherded ashore and met up with our luggage. And then we were moved on to a train to come to um, Toronto. Wow. It was a horrible train. <laughs> it was so it was not air-conditioned. It oh, was goodness. so hot. God. We an, landed in Toronto at the end of August. Wow. You know how hot it is in Toronto, at the yeah. end of August. Geez. So then hot. you guys moved in and yeah. So then from there, how, when did you like get Mom and Uncle Nigel? We had to do, do a few things before that because we, we uh, Eventually, uh, rented rent some rooms in North Toronto. Mm-hmm. Some rooms, so one and a half room, basically. No, two rooms. That's right. And you shared the bathroom with everybody else in the family in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> an English couple who were very kind to us. And uh, so that was the end of August or uh, September. We got that. Uh, flats were very, apartments were very difficult to get. Mm-hmm. And we saw advertised in, in the paper. A one, it was a new building in North Toronto, a uh, one-bedroom flat, for $100 a month. Wow. Meanwhile, we had gone out to earn some money. I got a job instantly, I mean, literally. The next day I was working for an insurance company downtown, so I had to be, go by streetcar downtown yeah. every day. And Derek uh, tried to get a job with a travel agency, mm they asked him if he'd done travels on, on booking of, of uh, coaches, uh, buses. And he said, no. And he said, well, then you're no use to us. Mm. Ah. So he had lots of ent- uh, introductions and one, a, what was he, a lawyer. He was very kind to Derek. I think he spent most of his time with him. And it was then suggested he went to A.V. Rome, see if he could get a job because he's always loved aircraft. Mm-hmm. And he got himself a job. In the contracts department of AV Row, so he started working right away. So we knew we could afford a hundred dollars a month. I think we both earned 50 bucks a week, as far as I remember. Oh, great. And we knew we could afford a hundred dollars a month, so we took this apartment. Nice, and it was great. We had no furniture, <laughs> so we followed somebody's advice and we went to G Eaton Company and bought enough furniture for the bedroom, a kitchen table, and two chairs, a settee. Sati- and a chair and a record uh, we called it a radiogram which still and the tea and the chubby chair are still here they've been through no way it's the same ones several, mm-hmm. the same ones incredible wow. pieces of furniture yeah they've been <laughs> recovered and refinished and things like that but, that's yeah. amazing I didn't realize that so we had started to, to, to and then Derek started to uh, join a rugger team He started to work with Aviero and they had a rugger team Rugby, right? Yeah yeah, Rug- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of, lot of English people. We met, you know, great English people because we did tend to stick together. Mm. We were all immigrants. Makes sense. Yeah, you have that sense yeah, of yeah. community, I'm sure. At one time, there was one couple that was married, I think, and had a child. And we started talking about children. Mm. Um, thinking, well, you know, now's not the time. We'll, we'll wait a little bit. You know, we we'll have going to married a year or something. Let's wait a little bit. Yeah. And then we met a couple in that that building, one of those little apartments. And their parents lived in what was new to the world. It was John Mills. Mm. And there was this new building being built there. So this, this couple and ourselves decided we would move over there. Mm. And they were much nicer and much More up to date buildings, and they were a little bit more, a few dollars more, but we could afford them. So we moved there. And then that's really, and then I got a job locally. And and, uh, that was really when we started talking about children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we will no longer take precautions expecting to get pregnant, and then you don't get pregnant. (laughs) So that goes on for, or can go on for a long time. And then you start talking about adoption. Mm -hmm. And, If you ever have to do that, you go through a phase of one wanting to adopt, the other one not wanting to. Mm. And then you switch. Well, I think I really do want to adopt now. I thought I did, but I don't anymore.
0: Well, it's amazing that you guys then, I'm sure, just like going through that process was was challenging.
2: Very challenging. I'm sure. But
0: it's amazing that both of you obviously came to that decision to adopt and,
2: you know. Yes. So cool when we eventually did it, well, then we made the application to the Children's Aid Society. Mm-hmm. And that started many, many interviews, together, not together. Mm. I, I meant by that, I mean singly and and, and yes. as a couple. As a couple, yes. And asking us, you know, all our background, what we did, what we didn't do, mm-hmm. why we came to Canada, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and there was constant doctor's visits, of course, and... Yeah. And, and the two procedures that were, were tried, but mm-hmm. and then then I I developed uh, I suppose I'd had it all the time, endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think nowadays maybe there is something that can be done about it.
0: Yes. Like, yeah.
2: Getting to that point anyway. There's nothing that could be done about it. Yeah. If I were to manage to become pregnant, that would really would have taken care of it. It mm-hmm. seems to way. away but that was not the case. So you just have to say, well, you want children. Yeah. And you're absolutely sure you'll go ahead with adoption. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So what was, what was mom and uncle that like growing up? Like not obviously from like kind of the start, but just if there were any key moments that you remember that mom was like when she was younger, was she similar to me in some ways? Like, I'm sure it's just, it's very different times and stuff, but
2: yeah, if there's like one or two stories that you have. Let us think. Um, Sarah, Sarah, when we when we first got her, did a lot of crying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> she was a baby. Yeah,
2: <laughs> she was. Oh, she was a baby, in arms. she she was, she was months or something older than than I. I, I have to refer to documents. to remember. Yeah, exactly. no, that's okay. No,
0: I more mean like yeah. when she was older too, the grandma. Like when she was more like you know middle like high school or like what
2: she was oh, like. An oh, when I, yes. Yeah. A very, very headstrong young lady. <laughs> very headstrong. Yes. yeah, And uh, she's going to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what she's going to say. But no, uh, people will all t- friends will always tell you that boys are far more, uh, far easier to raise than girls. They seem to have the ability to be, t- to be Accept reason and, and be reasonable more so than girls. I think that's a little I
0: mean, bit of the way that it used to be in terms of the, yeah. the reason of thinking, right? I don't think I'd hope that that isn't the case now, you know, because yeah, there's a lot of science that goes against that, but
2: yeah, yeah, as I'm sure. That, I mean, the, the things the things have changed dramatically so much, dramatically. yeah, yeah. But back then, yeah, that was that. I mean, and I must say when when I first had Sarah, I. I was thinking had this this perfect little English girl <laughs> who, would, who would have a, a lovely little voice and say yes, mammy, and no, mummy things like that. <laughs> but it was always been mum or something like uh, that. Well you're did Yeah, you're in a whole I different. English yeah. a
0: different <laughs> era, right? Like he, she grew up
2: in such a I different com- time. Com- <laughs> completely, completely different area.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm sure she thought similar. me and Nikki, too. We were always kind of all over the place in a good way, just running around, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, later, um, we, had, we had concerns about some of the friendships she had made. <laughs> Grandma. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's how parents school. do it sometime.
0: Of course. There were probably so many times where mum had that for me and Nikki or just in general, I feel like that, especially that time in in your life where things are changing, you're really just trying to figure out who you are. Right. And I think like, yes, you know, for me and for Nikki and for, I'm sure for mom, you're just, you know, that phase in your life, you're just like, okay, what do I like to do? Like what, what makes me happy? What's like, kind of makes me tick just figuring out who you are. And I think you're always doing that throughout your life, but I think especially at that age, it just, it's even more prevalent so
2: yeah and 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 that is you know the it was, it was mother's generation and your generation you were as far as schooling is concerned you were you were taught to think yes yeah we were taught to sit and be quiet and behave mm-hmm. yourself and take in what you are being told interesting and by that I mean the, 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 the history of King George V or, or something whatever it was yeah maybe. yeah and uh, that was boring yeah. Now, my parents' generation were Victorians. Yeah, and and I had very Victorian great uh, wait a minute grandparents. Yeah, yeah.
0: So most of them so different. When Mum was coming home from school, and yeah, of course, like very different from how you were raised as a as a woman yes. and as a daughter. And Mum, of course, was raised and going to school and and figuring out yeah critical thinking and how do we find solutions and how do we be kind of independent in that way which has yeah,
2: yeah been so different for you than how you were raised much more independent and it's, it's it was very difficult and, and, and we we miss, mismanaged many occasions because we really didn't understand it i mean had we more family had we had family living around us mm-hmm. they they said to us "Well, oh, for goodness sake you know we're not living in the past age we're not kids anymore it's our children that, that have changed, you know. Yeah, every, yeah. Way life has changed, disciplining has changed, and and I was brought up in a uh, in a fairly rigid discipline. Yeah, I'm sure uh, because yeah. of those. Because my parents were brought up that way. That's the mm-hmm. way we brought. I was brought up, and we really, I guess, have to admit that we failed to see to realize that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which isn't any fault of your. Own. I think like it's just it's that must be that sounds like the ultimate, obviously I'm not a parent and hopefully one day I will be, but sounds like the ultimate challenge of parenting is, is, is trying to like update your way of thinking to like maybe how the, the child is. And that's so hard when all you've known is how you were raised and how these types yeah. of is and, and the era and the time period, right. And everything just changes all the time. And so yeah. I can only imagine that that must've been very difficult and is just, yeah, part of, life and parenting and, and those types of
2: things. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's awesome. And, and also, you see, my, with my brother and sister, especially my brother being in the 40s they they're highly disciplined. Mm-hmm. You know, for, and I was highly disciplined being in a boarding school. Totally. I mean, I mean you, 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 I'm not saying that you know, Sarah's generation or yours does not respect older people, but yeah. respect that we had, had to have for our teachers at school if you were meeting somebody in a car you flattened your, yourself against the wall you didn't meet straight on and both move just a little bit to the right or left you flattened yourself against the wall leaving wow. a free passage for them to move that's the sole discipline and, and it's, it's ah. so difficult to have been brought up to that and yeah. and, and realize you, you cannot do that with your children
0: mm. <laughs> that's so hard though that's really, really- far too laced far too late (laughs) no it's okay but you still. it's but it's amazing to hear just like yeah even that realization now and just it's just no it's it's never too late grandma it's good it's awesome Mm. um I guess I have a couple of questions just like about kind of other things in your life but um, what are your I guess this is kind of in the future but what are your goals now Like, what are things that you love to do right now? Do you have any goals? Do you have things that you like working on? I know you're an incredible gardener. You taught me how to garden and... (laughs) You did, seriously. I would call you all the time and be like, grandma, what do you think about this cayenne pepper? When I had my, during COVID, I, <laughs> when I planted my garden and like yeah. grew all these amazing vegetables and I attribute the vegetable success to you really mostly. And like, you know, oh, giving impressive. it water, but no, seriously. I mean, it's, it's been one of the most awesome things to have, be, on, be on FaceTime and us talk about the garden. It's been a really fun thing for me yeah. to learn from you. But yeah, in that question, like what are things that you love to do now? Like how is your garden now? Very relaxing
2: to be in a garden. Yeah, it is. You, you can sit in a garden, watch the, the, the breeze or the insects or something like that, uh, rustle the petals of a, of, a, of a flower or watch the trees swaying a little bit or mm-hmm. bending over in half when there's a big storm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, I love
2: that. Yeah. And, and going, I mean, I, lo- I, I love cooking. Many, many women that... that can't stand cooking. I have a friend who does not cook. Period. Mm-hmm. Anything. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it, but I enjoy eating too. Yeah, you love food. You're a big foodie. I love, I love food. I'm a yeah. real foodie. Yes, yes. <laughs> love it.
0: So, what's your favorite? What's your favorite thing to cook, or what's your favorite food to eat? Even if you're not cooking it. So that's kind of a two pronged question there. But
2: um, yeah, it is. I don't. I don't have a favorite dish. Okay. I prefer eating fish to meat. I enjoy it more. I eat more fish than meat, actually. But also, as I, as I get older, I think fish is easier on the d- digestive system. Definitely. Vegetables have always been huge in my life. And that that goes back to my childhood when we lived off the, the the garden. Everything grew. Every vegetable and fruit tree and things. And I love I mean, I can easily just have a whole meal of vegetables, and I love it. Sometimes I, I, will, I will just have them cold, but I like them cooked. I, 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 I always say that I like them frightened by water. They're not cooked. They're frightened by water. Frightened by water. That's such a good phrase. Yeah. That's, uh, I love that. Uh, that. And there's so many people say, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. My first thought is that you haven't tasted them cooked properly, you know, cooked correctly. Yeah. I was like, I feel like yeah. when I was
0: younger with Brussels sprouts, I never, I didn't really like Brussels sprouts that much when I was younger, but I feel like after later on when I tried them and mom like would put them in the pan later when we got older, yeah. and kind of stir fry them a bit. Brussels sprouts are so good. And I eat them all the time yeah. but when you're younger, when people kind of steam them and they get
2: mushy, yeah. oh, they're not yeah. that good. But then you're right. If you cook it properly, then it tastes right. amazing. Yeah. some people haven't tried some vegetables because they took one mouthful when they were little and said I don't like it and so they're not giving it again but well, that's crazy yeah, yeah it's so true
0: yeah it's very true I feel like mom and dad kind of in a funny way like forced me and Nikki to try everything I remember dad would always be like you yeah. have to try it once or at least a couple of times right. you don't like it and then there were times that mom would make like pork or, or some, something else or some like white fish or something and tell us it was chicken, which I don't know how yeah. we understand that it wasn't, maybe we were young enough, but it was very smart of her. Cause then we just ate all this, <laughs> all this other meat that wasn't, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Thought it was chicken, <laughs> you know, and so we're like, Oh, we'll eat the chicken. Right. So it was a, a funny, like little way to trick us when we were kids, which is hilarious, but well, you, so. have to do,
2: you have to do that. And it's, uh, <laughs> you're being kind to your kids actually to do that. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely you
0: love Yeah. Totally. What are some of your proudest accomplishments or things, not even accomplished. Accomplishments feels like such a, no, no, not that word. Maybe just things in your life. Yep. You're most proud. Of. It doesn't have to be accomplishments, just things in your life.
2: Well, I am very proud of a number of plays that I've had leading roles in. Right. I'm very proud of that.
0: Yeah. Was there anyone yeah. that stuck out and, and why that leading role was so special for you?
2: one of them was um seascape seascape, seascape. okay and it's the story of a green monster rising from the depths oh and a couple a couple on the beach an older couple and uh, the man has just just retired mm.
0: well what, what about your what about your performance
2: grandma like about your own performance where well, you I, tried- I was I, I was the, the 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 wife in that. Okay. And everything I loved about it so much, uh such a relaxing show to be in. I loved it dearly. Mm-hmm. It was set on uh, on a beach and, and this is how the stage was. It, the amazing people they they had. They actually had sand there. Wow. Sand dunes and things like that. It was brilliant. Cool. And this guy who was this little he was, he was like a an iguana. He rises from from the depths behind these sandbanks. It's Ooh. just brilliant. That that was one. That, the other one that I absolutely adored was one called "To Grandmother's House We Go." I mm. was the grandmother in that. Mm. Long before I was grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that that I was I was very very proud of. That's awesome. I'll, I'll tell you another thing. This is a childish thing that is a, a small moment I was very proud of. Mm. I had a bad cold, a very bad cold, and so we were in this singing class. I got dragged up onto the stage by this. Teacher told to sing my part in this hymn. It was a Christmas concert, I think. Okay. And of course, I couldn't. I couldn't make a noise. And if I did, it was a crackle or something like that. Why? Because you were so nervous or why? No, I had a terrible well, you cold. You're cold. You You're cold. I, I couldn't. She, she wouldn't accept that. Because kids will make excuses. No, I'm afraid to sing. So they make an excuse. I can't. I'm, mm. I'm not feeling very well, whatever. And so I proved to her that I could not sing. I had no voice. And so she started laughing. And, of course, the kids all give them, you know, children are not nice to each other. Yeah. So the thing that made me proud about that myself was when my cold was better and then another singing class came about, I volunteered to sing. And, of course, she thought, oh, ha, ha, you know, and had me up. And I had, I didn't have a marvelous voice, but I had a decent voice. Yeah. And it completely shocked her. Oh, that's awesome. And I felt so smart and so proud of myself. I wanted to stick my tongue out and say nah, 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 you know. <laughs> proud. That was. That's a, that's a childish time that I felt very proud of myself. Yeah.
0: No, it's true. When you yeah, when you get to show someone that you you know you're truly talented, and you get to tell, especially when they didn't believe in you, and then you get to show yeah. them, like you know you should have believed in yeah. me in the first place because I believe in myself. Yeah.
2: yeah, right. To prove <laughs> it to you. You know. Yeah, I get that feeling for sure. Probably done that in minor ways in my adult life too, but I. Course, I can't yeah. think of anything.
0: No, those are those are really good ones, and it's so true. It was hmm. cool. I loved always seeing the photos of you and Grandpa in different plays and musicals in your house and hearing about those because I think yes, I I loved the musical great. theater growing up when I was younger for a little while and then yes, you know, playing you all the different.
2: Thank you. I loved it. It was so fun and you, singing and and you 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 singing too. I mean you you have I'm assumed it's probably even better. You have a lovely voice. Oh, thank you. Should be should be used. At some point.
0: <laughs> Mostly in the car, in the car, and in the shower still. But maybe at some point, I think it'd be fun once yeah. I'm done with sports. Try some singing lessons just for fun, just to try it out again. Yeah. But yeah, sports kind of took that over later on, and track and and those types of things started to become the yeah the forefront.
2: So, well, at, the, at the moment, they take over your life. They have to.
0: Yeah, I mean, to, I think, yeah, when it's, you know, it's, it feels like it's it's a combination of a huge pursuit of like a big dream and these goals, but it's also a job too, right? Yeah. In a sense, it's like a way that I... And ma- making a living even if that living is is small right because track doesn't pay very well and, and this sport doesn't mm. pay super well but it's not you know I don't do it for the money right now I'm doing it because I love it and have had some amazing experiences and it's been so love cool that. to have you you at some of these meets for you to come to some of my track meets when I was at Duke to come down to North Carolina I loved having yeah. you there that was so I came cool. to
2: the first track meet you had now I first Did. saw you run track at uh, Menlo yes in high school and then I first, I saw your first track meet at, at, at Duke, Duke. Yeah. and I also saw your last track meet at Duke.
0: You did. I didn't even think about that. That's such yeah. a beautiful full circle. You did. Yeah. That was my first indoor meet at Duke. It was at UNC yeah. and you yes. and Mom came That's and right. I remember it was that indoor meet and I was so nervous, yes. especially my first race in a Duke uniform. I wanted to like prove, prove myself and just, yeah, 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 but I was so happy you and Mum were there for that. And then, yeah, my last yeah. race too. I forgot about that. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. Yeah, we came to some
2: others. I mean, we you
0: we. You've t- to
2: a couple of times, I think.
0: Yeah. You've been to a few. <laughs> I know. I have, yeah. Hopefully they'll be in, in Toronto next year. Because I know there were some in Canada this year, but they're all on the West Coast. So hopefully next year in Toronto and then. Yeah, so fingers crossed cuz that would be fun. But and then obviously you watching the Olympics on TV and stuff was so cool. So I wish that you guys could have been there. I think that was the hardest part of not having uh, all of our family there, but hopefully in the future we'll be able to have family at some of these
2: other big events. you you know being involved though with running uh, actually I should say taught me uh, I found it when when you started being involved with it, I started taking note of it, taking notice of it. Hmm. I've seen you do a blog or something explaining to the people you are talking to all about running the training and then when you go for a meet how you have to start in, in the back you know the warm-up area and then you have mm-hmm. to do this, that and the other and there's a whole process and I think your words was something like we're now seeing how what we have to go through, now you'll see the end result, how it works and then you you have a shot of you in a race. Mm-hmm. that that blog if that's what it's called uh, alone taught me a lot as well i thought i knew quite a lot about it i, I thought i'd learned a lot but uh, that was very informative very informative oh, glad. thank you
0: yeah. i'm glad it's true it's like there's so much behind the scenes i think in sports yeah, you don't really- in anything in life but it's cool to yeah to be able to shed a little bit of light on that and yeah. for you to be able to hear and learn about that as well that this is like some of the behind the scenes well, I,
2: I have this, i have this one friend who you know inquired about you would you Maybe do some talking to them one day. I haven't heard any more about it, unfortunately. But uh, even if one more person is, is interested, then she'll tell somebody about it. And then, yeah, you know, more people become interested. I know how, how passionate you are about uh, opening the world to the the uh, to the women athletes of mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, I think yeah, it's been cool to see. I think the progress that women in sport have made, you know, I think especially like even another good example is the U S women's soccer team and Megan Rapinoe and, you know, fighting for equal pay and all those things and them getting it. And then, you know, I think with track, we've been lucky that equal pay in terms of prize money has been a thing mm. for quite a long time or no, not quite a long time, but it's been yeah. around for a little while. So that wasn't, it was something that the earlier generation fought for, for, in order for me to be able to benefit, which is amazing. But I think, yeah, mm. like you said, even if it's one or two more people that are learning about whether it's track or whether it's mm. just like women's sports in general, right? Like just watching, yeah. giving more exposure and giving more views. And then that helps more sponsorship dollars and helps like the pay gap decrease. Right. Cause even though there's some equal pay in certain sports, there's still a huge gap in other sports. Right. Um, And even a huge gap in sponsorship dollars. Right. So even if you have equal pay from either a prize money or from like a salary perspective, like women's soccer, Mm -hmm. the sponsorship dollars sometimes still aren't equal. Right. Like these companies are still investing way more in, in men's sport. Right. Um, And so I think as we progress and there's more platforms, there's more people out there that are pushing for this. And like, more that we can talk to younger female athletes and keep them in sport longer. Cause mm. so I think that's part of the issue a lot of time is, is younger female mm. athletes quit sports at a rate like way higher than boys, right? Boys end up staying yeah. in sport a lot longer cause they're kind of encouraged to, whereas girls a lot of times like just don't have those kind of mentors or other people that are encouraging them as much. And so if I can be a little bit of someone who's helping encourage a little bit, then like that feels like it's given a lot of impact to my career in life as well. But yeah. Yeah. So, and I appreciate all the support and you being so invested in learning about it and telling your friends about it. And it's something, it's been really fun to be able to chat
2: about track and, <laughs> yeah. and support with you. So it's been really fun. Yeah. But yeah. you have to, you know, the, the, uh, any any athlete really, but after, after you've reached that, that plateau of, of uh, well, let's say John Brown won the, uh, Mary Brown, let's say, she's the yeah. <coughs> Olympic medal winner. she, Hopefully has some sponsors, mm-hmm. but she's got to keep running to keep those sponsors. Mm-hmm. Now, whether the sponsors is, uh, let us say, um, the local grocery store, mm-hmm. he has to continue doing something to honor them mm-hmm. after she stopped winning winning medals. Do you see what I mean? You, yeah, like you're yeah, dying. you're like once you yeah 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 like once to carry, to carry your name on if you want. to. If you want to yeah. carry on as, as that wonderful person who's got them to that point, yeah, then you have to be doing something to to continue to earn that, that honor yeah. of the sponsorship. And
0: even, I think a lot of times now with sponsorships like that, you are continuing to like, quote unquote, earn that by continuing to run and to perform, right? And to be continuing to... Hmm play your sport like in that's good enough because now if your name, so a lot of times now like your name and your brand and what they call your likeness is tied to you. Right. And so that brand and like the Maddie price brand, like who I am and Mm. who who I, what I represent, what I put out into the world, like that's valuable. Right. So for a company to be attached to my name and my brand, that's worth something. Right. And so even if let's say like this past year, I haven't had a good year on the track because I had so many injuries and things. But regardless of that, you'd hope that if they're a good partnership, if they're a good company, that they would still be willing to kind of invest. Like, okay, maybe she had one bad year, but hopefully like we're still invested in who Maddie is and the athlete in person that she is and what she represents that we know that like, you know, she'll continue to progress. And that's, that's still worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there's a lot of Mm -hmm. athletes that are the best in the world that don't have sponsorships. And then there are some athletes that aren't, aren't the best in the world, but have a lot of sponsorships, right? Because of who they are and what they represent and the work that they do. So it's just, it just depends on how these kind of brands and Mm. people and athletes all align themselves and what value you can provide to each other, right? So I think that's the interesting part about sponsorship Mm. is that Mm. it's just so, it's so fluid. It's like, where does it fit? You know, where does this brand or this person fit with that athlete, I guess. But yeah, it's interesting. (laughs) It all it all comes down to hard work, doesn't it? A lot of it. Hard work, I think, and then luck and just timing, right? A lot of it is also like, I think as I've realized the, yeah. the older yeah, we timing, get, is, yeah. it's a mix of, yeah, of course, you got to work your butt off and you got to work really hard, but it's also a combination of like, opportunities and doors opening. And I think there's like a degree of even like privilege too, of just like, if you have these connections and people, right. That, that helps you gain sponsorships at times as well. So I think there's a combination of recognizing like, yes, a lot of it is really hard work, but a lot of it is also luck, timing, weirdly, like who you know and all these other things, right? That kind of come into mm. play in life and in sport. So it's true, but we work really hard. <laughs> That's for sure. I know you, work, <laughs> you. You, you give your all always. Thanks, Grandma. Thanks, Grandma. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. We're gonna we'll wrap it up here in a second, but I have one last this is this is the final question I'll end with. It's kind of a two-prong question. But what positive and negative changes have you observed in the world throughout your life? So you can answer the first one, like what, we'll do negative and then we'll end on the positive note. So like what negative changes have you observed in the world throughout your lifetime or throughout, like things that come to mind, just like changes that were like, oh, this isn't this hasn't been a great
2: change, you know? What changes? I guess the the field of, of medicine. Mm. It's really, it really fits both sides. Yeah. There's been dramatic changes of... Uh, Positive changes, mm-hmm. and there the, 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 the are other that they just—they they usually say it's lack of funds. You know, you have to keep providing with funds. But I wonder in the, in the medical field, like any field, I suppose. Actually in the medical field, when uh, somebody wants to go into medicine as a profession, they have certain things that appeal to them, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe some of the greatest advantages we've had are. Basically, the, the type of medicine that has appealed to most people. And also, if, if one if one little advancement is made, that is encouraging for the others to say, oh, mm. okay, I'll join them and maybe I can help push them a bit further. Totally. It's like hitting your head against a, a brick wall. If you're not getting anywhere, mm-hmm. Something, and, and there, there are many things that, that haven't changed, haven't they? One hears of some very sad medical cases and they think, well, Course, why haven't they been changed? Totally, totally, it's true. And the lie decide, I mean, the, the changes in, in freedom of living and freedom of speech, of course, is, is mm. just uh, if you have the freedom, then people hopefully start to understand each other a little more. Yeah, and, and know that people with different ideas we can all live together, but we can have completely opposing ideas about something. Yeah. Try and work it out so that. It's a little bit of good for everybody there.
0: Mm, I love that sentiment. It's so true that like those opposing ideas are a good thing. Like you'd, you'd want some type of, yeah. you know, discourse and interesting conversations and stuff. But like you said, it just, it's, you'd hope that it could be in a, in a way that is positive and is respectful and is, yeah, I think yeah. it makes it challenging with social media too, because it's easy to hide behind the screen sometimes
2: too. I know that can be, yeah, it's interesting. It's, you know, a couple are having an argument about something, there's no reason. Why can't they have, they can have a good old argument about it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and get really sort of flustered and flushed and things like that. But then you have to at the end say, well, that's great. That was wonderful. We flushed all those ideas out. Mm-hmm. You have your ideas about that, and I have mine. We're still, still great friends. And yeah. so it will be. Oh. I have a friend who we're, we're totally opposed to Canadian politics. And we sort of argue about it a bit. Mm-hmm. Mine stayed with me. Her ideas stayed with her, but we're still very good friends. And Why not? Yeah. I mean, you, if you care about each other and on that level, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing
0: that you can, yeah, have that type of friendship and yeah, keep the discourse, of course, to somewhat of a minimum or talk about it here and there. And then if it gets too much, then, you know, you yeah. guys care about each yeah. other from a friendship first. So that's awesome. I love that. Well, those are great answers, Grandma. Um, was there any other things that you wanted to, any other like questions that you wished I had asked or that we wish we talked about before we sign off here.
2: I I just hope that, you know, that you have a a wonderful, wonderful life and things, you know, all things work out well for you. The the running, you meet your challenges and and how many kids are you going to have? I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully a few. Who knows? Fingers crossed. If we can we do
0: it? I don't know. If not, we, you know, adopt too. So fingers crossed. We'll see in the future.
2: <laughs> Down the road, though, we it's got time. Just, it's the wonderful thing for me, being the grandmother of the, of the four wonderful people I have, is that I'm so proud of you all. You've all done some similar things, but really different different passages that you're making in life. And it's interesting. And it's, it's so rewarding to a grandparent to see and to hear know what their grandchild is doing yeah it's very rewarding i'm very proud of you all that means the world
0: to hear and i know graham and kate and nikki will love hearing that from you as well and they love you so much so they'll appreciate hearing that from you it's true thanks grandma